Hello, all my little monsters out there. Welcome to <laughs> Monster Movie Fun Time Go. This is Precious D. And this is Honey Bee. Welcome. Welcome back. Friends, we are running a little late this week. Oof. Honey Bee had to help a friend with an unexpected and unfortunate family matter, but she has called in just getting off the road to record because she loves our tens of listeners spread across the globe <laughs> so much that uh, we wanted to get this week's episode out for you. Yes, I love you. I love all of you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for your patience. Honeybee, <laughs> today's movie is The Giant Behemoth. The Giant Behemoth. From 1959, black and white, 71 minutes, directed by Eugene Lurie. And Douglas Hickox, starring mm-hmm. Gene Evans mm-hmm. as Steve Carnes and Andre Morel as Professor James Bickford. I don't have a budget. I don't have a box office. The monster is a paleosaurus. I didn't write down his size, but I know it's somewhere in my notes here. So Oh, I, I yeah, I got you. It is uh, 150 to 200 feet long and there 70 feet tall. All right. Killwicky says there's 33 deaths, including the giant behemoth but that must just be on screen deaths because at one point the news says that 36 people are dead and many wounded yeah i was gonna say this i thought this movie's death count was gonna be outrageous so it's possibly as high as 69 deaths if 36 of them happened off screen or if part of that 36 is also part of this 33. Don't know. But (laughs) 69 deaths. Nice. Nice. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, I was going to give it a racism factor of uh, 0.75. Okay. Because we do see that non-white people exist. Yeah. Are you talking about the the guy in the turban? Yes. The one guy in the turban? I knew it. They do acknowledge that non-white people exist. However, he has no lines, and they misspell the name of his university. So I think that might bump it back up to a one. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, okay, they are trying. I also, I did see um, some lady scientists, some lady workers um, in the movie, but they were very, like, in the background in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know about the sexism factor, because that was really, really isn't much... Uh, ladies going on in this movie not right. this, well, this movie's a little bit of a sausage fest yeah the one woman that has any sort of lines her main role is to be a daughter and a girlfriend uh-huh. so that's not great <laughs> <laughs> this is a british production although we have to have an american in it steve carnes is our american Carnes. Who's kind of the lead? He and uh, Professor Bickford are sort of, sort of co-leads. It's mostly about Carnes. Yeah, totally. Uh, 
And um, we don't really get a Philo exactly in this one. Yeah, uh, this... not really. Maybe for like a second, but not really. Not a well, full the thing Philo. Is, there's, we'll get to the whole thing in a second here, but there's some people who are in the beginning and then they just go away. They don't <laughs> drag them. They don't drag them all over the British Isles just because they were there in the beginning. Whereas Carnes... He actually specializes in what the movie's about, so he should be going around dealing with all this stuff. Right. So I thought that was interesting that we did not get a proper Philo in this. Um, did you recognize a name in the opening credits? I didn't in the opening credits. I mean, I wasn't paying too much attention to the credits, really. It, it's kind of buried. So let, let's get into the... Oh, oh, I do want to mention that... Uh, Luray, whose name I did not recognize, he directed Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Oh, that's so funny because I actually wrote that this movie reminded me of that movie yes. a lot. Yeah. Well, according to the Wikipedia, it was originally supposed to be about a kind of amorphous radioactive blob, but the distributor insisted that he wanted something more like Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. So, so they you had, did. You had a dinosaur in that other movie. Put one in this one. People like the dinosaurs. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very. very yeah, wow. Parts. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, Luray, I, I think that there's a little accent over the E, so I guess it's uh, Luray. He also directed uh, Gorgo, which we will be getting to in a few episodes. Pretty soon. Yeah. But the name I was talking about was Willis O'Brien. Oh, what? I did not see that. Well, the thing is, under effects in the opening credits, he is listed fourth out of five names in the credits. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) What? How dare you? How very dare you? Boo! Boo those credits. <laughs> so we start with uh, an ocean and dark skies and the credits, and some narrator says, And the Lord said, Behold, man, the behemoth. And we get these credits, and under effects, Jack Robin, Irving Block, Louis DeWitt, Willis <laughs> O'Brien, and Pete Peterson, who I looked him up, Worked with Willis on Mighty Joe Young and The Black Scorpion. Okay. So we have seen his work before. We just didn't notice his name before. How how we didn't notice Pete Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? Really, Mom? Dad, you couldn't have put a little bit more thought into my name? (laughs) Thanks. Peter Peterson. Yep. So uh, (laughs) then we get uh, Atomic Bomb stock footage and it turns out we're already watching a film presentation yes. as the movie film, starts. Film presentation right off the bat. Yes. There's some guys in radiation suits walking around with Geiger counters. And then we pull back to reveal a bunch of white guys and one <laughs> guy in a turban who, after some research, I determined is meant to be Indian. Uh, oy, oy, oy. In in some sort of a you know a conference room thing, a bunch of chairs watching this. Uh, the 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 scientist is at a lectern and he's wrapping up his film presentation. 
and is telling us that there's been 143 of these atomic explosions and somebody's looking at their program to show us that we are at a conference on atomic research in London and the guy speaking is Steve Carnes, marine biologist, La Jolla, California, USA. And then we also, I paused it so I could see <laughs> who the one non-white guy was. He is <laughs> Sen Gupta from Agatala University, Bangal. I don't know what they mean by Bangal. And there's no Agatala University, but there is a Agartala University. So I'm like, you bastards. You couldn't even. You bastards. Good try, but not quite. You didn't quite hit the mark there. But I think also he is just a quick visual shorthand to let us know that this is an international gathering. Because you get, you can't tell just okay. by looking at a bunch of white guys that one of them's from France and one of them's from Germany and one's from Sweden. Right. So you throw one turban right. guy in there, and that tells us it's an international gathering. <laughs> <laughs> so Carnes is telling us about atomic waste in the ocean and Operation Crossroads, and talks about the Bikini Atoll and how the plankton, the the um. There's not an even dispersal of the radiation, but it seems to concentrate in plankton and fish and birds that are becoming increasingly radioactive. And then there's some stuffy guy who's not worried about it. That's <laughs> what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what's the big deal? It's just some radiation. These explosions happen somewhere else. I'm not going to yes, be afraid yes, of it. It's not my problem. And Carnes points out that you can't fence off the ocean. <laughs> And we know a little bit about it. So if we dump a bunch of radiation in the ocean, who knows where it's going to end up? Well, it's going to end up in the Thames is where it's going to end up, as we'll find find out. Uh, He says, who can tell when when this whatever it is will rise to the surface and strike back at us? And then we cut to someplace in Cornwall, it turns out, where where we get to see... How it's going to strike back at us. There's a small boat coming ashore uh, with fish in it. And there's like a father-daughter. I wrote father-daughter question mark. And then after that I wrote yes. Same. Yes. Because it gets confirmed in a moment that they are father and yes. daughter. Their uh, daughter's going to take one of the fish to cook while dad plans to take the rest into town. So she exits. And then there is a noise and a sort of a beeping, a, a kind of boop, 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 and lights mm-hmm. and some concentric circles and the father screams. This this part is so funny to me because I, I call this the wah-wahs, you know, when you have like the wah 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 and the kind of like the Wayne's World, um, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, the dad knocks off his own hat like (laughs) you know like he instead of like the wind or something knocking his hat off he kind of knocks it off with his own hands and then like covers his face during the wah-wahs and i was like oh okay a little weak a little weak there (laughs) but we'll see so uh then there's a wind blowing and the dad's not home yet so the daughter goes to look and she checks the bar (laughs) because she assumes that he got held up at the bar, bragging about his white fish he caught. I didn't get why it was such a big deal that he caught a white fish. And I didn't know if that was a type of fish or just a fish that happened to be white. 
is it normal? I don't know. It's not important. Yeah, I think it. I, they were saying like he's like he, oh, they're like oh he's done it again. Like he's the only one who's right. like a skilled enough fisherman yeah. to catch this. Like, I know. White I know fish. there are things called whitefish, but I wasn't clear if that was what they were talking about. But it's a big deal. <laughs> I have no idea. So she comes in and says hello to John and hello, and he says hello, Jean. That's just too cute. John and Jean. John and Jean. And this Boy, isn't that sweet. The, Bless their hearts. This is where we find out what her what her damn name is. Dad's not there. They talk about the whitefish being a big deal. Let's go look on the beach for Tom, who apparently is dad. And John finds him and is like, "Oh, get get back, Gene! Don't look. He's not quite dead yet, though. <laughs> so the poor guy's been laying yeah. there. He's been laying there for hours because." This happened right after she left him and she yeah. didn't think to go look, you know, she didn't realize he was missing for hours. It's it for was, a while. Yeah. Cause it was light when they came in and it's dark now. So uh, I feel really bad for old Tom there. And, uh, he's, he, uh, but he's burned and they're from the sea burning like fire. And he says, Oh yeah, he says the Tom says something about from the sea burning like fire, and then says behemoth and dies. <laughs> Cut to the funeral, where we find out his name is Thomas Trebethan, and a priest. This is uh, this part. Yeah, I literally my next note is what the actual fuck. <laughs> this pri- so the priest is reading from the book of Job. And and of course I had to look this up. Behemoth is from the Bible. Uh, th- there's um, not a complete agreement about what it is. Some people think is referring to a hippopotamus. Some people think oh. some people think it's just some made up thing, and some people think it's a primordial chaos monster created by God at the beginning of time depending on how literally you want to interpret your Bible. But he starts okay. off reading actual Bible words from the book of Job, chapter 40, verses 15 through 24. He starts off with, Behold now the behemoth, which I made with thee. He moveth his tail like a cedar, out of his mouth go, out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire, Go out from the behemoth. He maketh the oceans to boil like a pot. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. Everything after his tail like cedar is made up nonsense for this movie. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say anything about him being a dragon. That's yeah, or or a sea dragon, yes, or an atomic monster. There's no fire breathing. There's no coals in his mouth or lamps in his eyes or any of that shit in the Bible. Uh, I won't go. I won't read the whole Bible thing for you. You're free to go look it up yourself. But the description in the Bible does seem like eh, that could be a hippopotamus. What they're ta- they're talking about the eating grass and being in the river and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Uh, And uh, so, yeah. But the thing, apart from this made up uh, breathing fire nonsense, I'm also like, (laughs) why is he reading this at a funeral? 
Yeah. Normally at a funeral, you'd be reading, you know, the Lord is my shepherd or something about heaven or something. But this priest apparently was like, oh, he said behemoth before he died. There's a passage (laughs) about that in the Bible. I'll read that. Like, is this his normal procedure? Oh, how did your loved one pass? Oh, they burned to death in a, in a house fire. There's something in the Bible about a fire. Let me see. Uh, they were hit by a car. Hmm, nothing in the Bible about being hit by a car, but maybe I can, there's some, got to be something about getting crushed in there somewhere. So, it's just yeah, it was no reason, off. no reason to be reading this passage other than that is the title of the movie. Yeah, it's pretty pretty awkward. Yeah. So, Gene, uh, after the funeral, Gene does not want to go home yet. Let's go for a walk. And yeah. they find, she and John, find thousands of dead fish on the shore and some white foam that John then really <laughs> awkwardly touches with the back of his hand. It's just so bizarre. He sort of reaches out to touch it, and then it's almost like the foam forces his hand to flip over and touch it with the back of his hand. Yeah, it's super weird. He says, what's this stuff? And then it it almost looks like his hand goes into, like, stop animation. (laughs) Like, and, like... Touches the back of this weird, shiny, white bubble stuff. I I also wrote that uh, John instantly touches it like a dumbass and gets burned. (laughs) Uh, We cut to London and Carnes at a hotel, checks on his tickets, and turns on the exposition channel on the television. Like you do. Where the uh, presenter kindly informs us about Cornwall and dead fish and uh, a uh, from from low from from Lou low reports of a sea monster of the Loch Ness variety. Yes. (laughs) So cards tells the major, the, uh, the, the concierge to cancel my reservations and he goes to tell Professor James Bickford that a man has died of symptoms that sound like those in Hiroshima. And the professor thinks, oh, it could be acid. Because that happens when you're out fishing, right? <laughs> uh, but they agree to go check it out. Check, check, check it out. <laughs> At uh, at Lou, Carnes, and the professor ask for Dr. Morris. And they they arrive in a boat, and there's a bunch of dudes standing around. And they these dudes were were super weird. They just <laughs> seem like such a shitty attitude. Like I didn't understand what was what was happening here. Why they were all just so odd. They, I guess they don't like outsiders, like anybody in. I little, guess all so. I, I was fishing like, village people have a belligerent attitude. Yeah. To, to outsiders i'm like what are they trying to portray here why is everyone in such a shitty mood yeah weird but they meet they meet john whose hand is bandaged up now and i think it's in a sling and they explain Mm -hmm. they're from the atomic energy commission here to do tests uh the locals are pissed that's why that's their attitude is their livelihood is ruined by uh because it's the fishing season oh yeah because of the fish they're just in a bad mood because all the fish are dead 
at, and that's how they make a living. Right, yeah. right. And you, it's it's not okay to just pick up dead fish off the shore and sell them because you don't know what killed them. Why they're dead. If you catch them in a net and kill them that way, that's okay. But if they're already dead, not okay. Right. Which, which is, I mean, I'm not making fun of that. That's Yeah, you have no idea what killed them. In this case, it's radiation from a paleosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what I wrote here, of course. <laughs> any more anything? And you don't know what? Any What I wrote. <laughs> something, oh. <laughs> something about any more anything? Uh, one guy saw lights. Oh, did anyone see anything? Did anyone see anything? And one guy says he saw lights like a giant cloud under the water lit from underneath. And then John offers to take them to see the doctor. And he explains to them that uh, Tom's death was caused, caused by burns and poisoning. Not, yeah, not he says... acid, not an acid like a jellyfish. Poison, poisoning, poisoning like a jellyfish, not acid, I think. Yeah, he said. Yeah, he says, um, poisoning a mixture of the poison from a jellyfish and a and a terrible allergy. Yeah. Oh, this is. I'm sorry. They're talking about John's hand here. Well, no, I think they're also. Ta- they're talking about the dead guy and they're talking the about doctor. John, yeah, and, and about John's, John's hand. So they asked to right. see his hand, and his burns remind them of tests in the Pacific the lab in London. So they, um, I guess, they've both seen these burns from atomic tests or something. So they right. better, better send him to the clinic in London. And John ex- tells them, explains them how he just touched some foam on the beach like a dumbass. <laughs> and, He's like, it was shiny. Yeah, it looked Ooh, like jellyfish. It looked like jellyfish shine. And he could show them the cove where it happened. And at the cove, they're testing for radiation. They got their little Geiger counter out. And there's nothing. There's no radiation there. And... He's like, shows the exact spot. They scan it. No radiation. It's just faded for some reason. Carnes asked John if the father was alive. Asks Jean if the fa- if her father was alive. And she tells him what he, that he said behemoth. And from the Bible. Back at the doctors, the professor is packing up, and Carnes wants samples taken from all along the coast. Something came out of the ocean and went back in. So we cut. This is the first time this really happens in the movie, too, but this happens throughout the movie is that, like, someone will say something, and then we hear, like, a little of music (laughs) of some sort. (laughs) Which I love, you know, it's kind of like just a little, it's a little different every time, but someone will say a word and then it's like music. (laughs) Once again. And then it just stops. Once again, I did not notice that. That's so funny. You were all over the music and I just let it, I don't know. I don't pay attention. I should pay more attention to the music. (laughs) Uh, So then we cut to a, a lab where they've now received 72 samples and they're waiting for a sample from the Hebrides and they talk about how the tests work and we meet a guy named Ned Lee 
nerdly. Yeah. This is also when I saw lady scientists in the background, and they weren't like the lady scientists that we usually see in these movies, which are like banging, <laughs> you know, look- bombshells. But this was like a very like normal like scientist lady uh-huh. who was doing some work in the background. <laughs> And not hooking up with anybody or. Yeah, no. <laughs> just doing her work, just being a good professional. Just doing her job. Oh, that's nice. And yes, they, uh, And here I noticed that they keep calling him Mr. Carnes, not Dr. Carnes. Oh. Which it just, seemed, it just seems like, considering his position and his job, that he should have a doctorate in marine biology or atomic energy or both, but apparently he does not because they just relentlessly call him Mr. Carnes throughout the movie. Or maybe they're just being dicks to the American. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he, he never corrects anybody and says, that's Dr. Carnes, actually. So maybe he doesn't have a doctorate. Maybe not. It's just a Just an enthusiastic amateur. <laughs> <laughs> uh so Carnes turns his nose up at surgical equipment. The, so the samples they brought in are samples of dead fish. And mm-hmm. they offer him a tray of surgical equipment and he just whips out his pocket. He's like, I don't need that shit. He whips out his pocket knife to cut up the fish. And I'm like, that thing has not been sterilized. You're contaminating yeah, you your realize- samples, you dumbass. Yeah, that's why they don't call him Dr. Carnes. <laughs> there you go. Mr. Carnes, yeah. there it is, He's right like, there. I, I don't need any of them fancy medical school instruments. <laughs> Got my <laughs> fish gut knife with me. Medical schmedical. <laughs> so, Someone get me a beer. Uh, they're also t- testing these fish for uh, radiation, right? So not only does he use his not sterile knife, but then he puts it back in his pocket when he's done. So he may be putting a contaminated radioactive knife into his pocket. Great, great. So they go through this rather long process of him showing how to take a how to cut the fish and take a sample. And it's got to be dried out first. And then he we cut to later. He's prepared the first batch and, and and closes up his pocket knife, puts it in his pocket without cleaning it. <laughs> and yeah, oh, it's going to be radioactive God. at some point because one of these samples is radioactive. And we go to photography next. The next stage in the test is photography. You take the dried fish and you place it on this glass, he explains to Ned and to various bystanders. How if the fish has absorbed radiation, radioactive particles, they will concentrate in the bones and organs and will leave an exposure on the photographic plate. So they don't use any light to expose the plate. The fish itself will cause the the, the radiation. Radio autograph. Autograph, yes. It will, it will imprint a radio autograph on the photographic plate if it's radioactive. This is a... This is another moment. They say it is called radio autograph. And the music's like.
later uh the first few plates are ready uh, plate one plate two and then plate three looks weird could uh be could could i don't know what i wrote <laughs> so they turn off the light something and, in the film yeah yes yes could be light uh, could be some light leaked in so they turn off the light and one sample one of the samples is glowing right there in the tray <laughs> <laughs> Which I think if it were that radioactive, I don't know that they would need to have done a test to figure that out. So they, but then they use a microscope. Uh, it is a sample number fourteenth from Plymouth that is lit up. There's an enormous concentration of atomic particles. <laughs> Call the fishing department. Can't let that get through to the market, and they've Just... got to find the cause. State of emergency. <laughs> and uh, somebody says, uh, could it be a monster? <laughs> you know, because Bameth, track, <laughs> we got to track down and destroy it. Get me a boat. It's, I love when he says this, when he says, he's they're like talking back and forth and he says, track it down and destroy it and the camera goes to the other guy's face and he kind of raises his eyebrows and then it goes to the first guy's face and he just makes this really serious face <laughs> and then it goes back to the other guy and he says okay but it's just this really weird series of like <laughs> camera face shots uh-huh Ugh, hilarious uh so in the next scene they have obviously got Karn's a boat because he's on it and fi- uh found nothing doesn't know what he's looking for <laughs> and then they hear over the radio valkyrie is a ship named valkyrie is 12 hours overdue so if you see it call the coast guard and the captain knows that ship the captain of the ship they're on knows that ship and then the geiger counter starts going off and at 31 minutes and 44 seconds we get just a glimpse <laughs> of the behemoth a very cute glimpse too of like him just swimming by. Yeah. With his little arms down. And the, the skipper is perfectly happy to risk getting closer and the Geiger counter starts going nuts. Um at full speed, the ship's at full speed. Uh it's a, but the Geiger counter suddenly stops. Whatever it was is gone. And the coast guard calls and orders Carnes to return to port at once. Water snake. <laughs> the <laughs> Sorry, that was my next note. <laughs> <laughs> I have so I had <laughs> I watched this movie over the course of a couple of days and sometimes I watched part of it at work. I have notes from three different notebooks that I are all oh together my here. Gosh, that's so hilarious. This is where we switch to pages from another notebook. Very that nice. Tu- that I've tucked into my name my main notebook. The phone rings. The Department of Fisheries is on the other end and block the ports. I think Bigford tells him to block the ports. Uh, to find cause, go to Plymouth track and destroy oh that's the part we already 
think I rewatched part of it. Uh, okay, yeah, here we go. The Valkyrie was found beached. When they get back to the to the port, the Valkyrie was found beached, and we'll take you there at once. There's no survivors. Uh, radiation? There is yep. radiation. There is. They do find radiation this time, and there was some kind of gigantic impact. And Carnes has got to get back to London. Yeah, I thought this was really weird that they were like, Carnes, we need you. We, there's this ship. Come look at it. And then he like looks at it for five <laughs> seconds, and they're like, he's like, okay, I got to get out of here. Like, what? You came all this way for the okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> Couldn't just send him some pictures or just described right? it to him. So back in London, Carnes and Bickford and some Navy admiral meet and he says it's a marine animal of tremendous size and strength. And somebody says behemoth theory. This is his behemoth theory. Radioactive glowing samples contain cells from the stomach wall of an unidentified species. And the Admiral is going to organize a search, find the creature, and dispose of it. Dispose of it. Ooh. <laughs> that makes it sound like he's just going to take out the trash or something. <laughs> gonna, you mean kill it. <laughs> uh, and then NATO spreads the word. And then you would not have recognized this French guy. There's a French guy on the radio. Uh, so so that we know it's an international effort that's going on (laughs) and we see a so they're spreading the word and one of the people spreading the word is is a french guy and i was like is that the french guy from pink panther what and what i meant and i looked it up and it was and what i meant was that in the pink panther movies uh you've got um peter sellers uh an englishman playing a frenchman and you've got hermit herbert lom also an English playing a Frenchman, but there's a guy, Pierre, or I'm sorry, a guy, uh, Francois, Francois in, in those movies who seems to be actually French. And that is an actor named Andre Moran, who is sort of French British actor. He's probably one parent is French and one's British. So anyway, wow. That's cool that you recognize. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is, you know, it's a black and white movie from uh, probably 10, at least, uh, yeah, at least 10 years before the, the Pink Panther movies were being made in like the 60s and 70s. So. Uh, wow, good eye. <laughs> thank you. So, uh, and then uh, the next thing I have is a family uh, discovers a dog barking. What's wrong with Toby? Oh, family dinner. Sorry, family dinner. There's some some random families having dinner and the dog is barking. And so the two of them get up and get a gun and go to check what's up. (laughs) And the dog runs off and the guy sees something and and shoots. More wah-wahs. Wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-
but no one has survived seeing it. <laughs> That's why I can't believe the kill count was so low because I feel like there was so many times throughout the movie where more people were killed and then more people. And it seemed like they were groups of people yeah. every time. Um, yeah, but apparently on screen we only see 33 of them bite it. That's um, still a lot. And I feel like in this movie there's a lot of deaths and and – you know, everyone is acting really calm, but then in other movies, we'll see there's like three deaths, and everyone is like shitting themselves. Well, that's because it's uh, set in in Britain, so they're all very uh, what uh, dinosaur you say? Radioactive, uh, stiff up a lip. <laughs> nothing to get, uh, nothing to get into a tizzy about. Just carry on, keep calm, and carry on. Seek shelter in basements. <laughs> uh. Yes. <laughs> So, but um uh the 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 picture of the footprint the carnes or one of them says they've seen fossil footprints like this let's talk to a paleontologist and Ooh, the paleontologist <laughs> samson a dr samson the curator of the natural history museum is who they're gonna go see i think bickford knows him I... so they meet I love uh, the little this picture of the footprint though, um, uh-huh. next to the little tiny toy car. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to meet Samson, and he's like, uh, "Oh, is this a lizard footprint?" And they're like, "Oh, look at the size!" And he's like, "Oh, it's a Paleosaurus, a hundred and fifty to two hundred feet." And so he's like, uh, "That." He's he assumes that it's a a picture of a fossil and he's like, uh, no, it it's it's not dead. <laughs> yeah, he also right in this part pulls out our sketches. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he thinks they must be joking, but let's go find it. <laughs> and um but yes, I noticed that we, we get dinosaur sketches. Yay. So uh heading towards oh so he the Samson's says it, it's going to head towards the Thames to die in the shallows. He also says that he's been waiting for this his whole life. And yes. I noticed in this weird monologue that he has about how this he's been like waiting for this to happen, that his suit is like three times too big. <laughs> I was like, why is he wearing such an oversized the, suit? Well, they want him to be the sort of eccentric uh, scientist, scientist guy. Yes, he's the, he's the, the goofy eccentric scientist we've seen a lot of these only he's got a much he's got a much smaller part than they normally have yeah and a much bigger suit yeah (laughs) but this is how we indicate that he doesn't care about his appearance he's not worried about those things this 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 suit was quite affordable it's probably his father's suit no (laughs) he inherited it it's perfectly functional suit why should i what get it tailored it's not worth the bother it was my daddy's (laughs) So, um, he, but, uh, I, have they already mentioned that the radiation is killing the creature? Well, he, they, so the doctor, so Samson actually says, uh, it's also electric and they're like electric. Don't yes. Don't mean we're full of radiation. And he's like, what? Electric like an eel and mm-hmm. also radioactive. Right. And he's like, oh no, we'll have to kill it. We'll take some pictures first before you do, please. <laughs> For me, 
But yeah, he, he has this attitude of, I knew it! I always knew there was still living dinosaurs somewhere! They called me mad! <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, it's uh, that sort of Jurassic Park thing that everybody, especially someone that spent their lives studying dinosaurs, has just always wanted to see one in yeah. the flesh and has secretly believed, maybe never said it out loud, but just secretly believed there's got to be one living somewhere. Someday I'll get somewhere. to see it. So... Uh, they take the drawings back to the Admiralty. The electric charge projects the ray. Okay, so they discuss the idea that the electric charge projects the radiation. And the Admiral does not want to close the the Thames or evacuate. Not we didn't a do the overgrown alligator. Exactly. We didn't even do that at the height of the blitz. Why would we do it for one? One. Yes, as you said, overgrown alligator. Um, and the 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 Thames is already blocked off by radar. So they take a tour of a radar facility to demonstrate how <laughs> great their radar is to let them know if anything unauthorized is coming up the Thames. And we then see that Samson is in a helicopter to take pictures. And they spot the glowing shape under the water. And the copter calls the position into the radar room. And they're getting closer. It's in Area H2. The radar can't see it, though. So it turns out their damn radar is useless because they're like, what? What do you mean area of H2? There's no, the radar is not seeing anything. We're looking right at it. And so, yeah, radar's no good. <laughs> Planes and ships get deployed, and then we cut to a ferry approaching the dock and people getting on and off. And... The fairy John Ben departs. And I noticed this little girl with a doll. I thought they were showing us her because, you know, she was going to be put in danger and get rescued at the last minute. But no, we don't. It doesn't happen. But her doll is important. It's good that you noticed it because we later see the doll. Oh, do we? Maybe I blinked and missed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she she was it was important that you saw her because later whenever the fairy sinks, just her doll is like floating eerily in the water. Oh, oh! So they didn't want to show the child actually getting killed, mm-hmm. but by showing her doll floating, we can assume that she died. Yeah, I must have been. I must have been writing a note and didn't notice. Oh. So at fifty minutes and twenty four seconds, we see a sort of Loch Ness style hump, water and a snake. scream. And then at 50 minutes and 35 seconds, we finally get a good look at this shitty, shitty dinosaur. He kind of has like dog side eye. You know when your dog kind of side eyes you and you can see the white of its eyes? That's what his eyes remind me of. (laughs) Well, I so Willis O'Brien... It seems clear to me was not in charge of this part of the special effects, <laughs> because this part is just. Awful. I don't. I, well, I don't want to say puppet because it's not even a puppet. This part is 
a head and neck mm-hmm. that they just sort of wiggle around, but the mouth doesn't move. The eyes don't blink. It's not stop motion. It's just them waving this dinosaur Blade. mannequin head around. Yeah, totally. Uh, the fairy tries to get away and the, I wrote puppet sinks toy. <laughs> People are overboard. The behemoth's mouth doesn't move. There's a guy that is dead and burned. And then newspaper extra monster attacks. London, 36 dead, 50 missing. Embankments closed. Maybe all of that was on the newspaper, not on the radio or TV. Right. This is where I wrote, this kind of takes me back to Beastie from 20,000 Fathoms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it turns out there's a reason for that. (laughs) Uh, Why did I write fiddlesticks? Oh, because because there's like a family having dinner and someone is saying, this is dangerous. And this lady says, oh, fiddlesticks. Yes, yes, yes. We cut to various people hearing the news. And yeah, she's like, that's that's." The uh, <coughs> fiddlesticks, British for bullshit. Why did I write down fiddlesticks? <laughs> yeah. And David Mac- McAvoy, some American reporter for some reason, gives us some exposition on the street that the ministers and police are, and some kind of HQ and armed forces, and Sir Charles Moore. It's uh, the commissioner are all meeting at the port authority, the port of London authority. And we get a bunch of radio. We see inside of the, the port authority, a bunch of radio operators and there's some map work going on. Map work. Closing. Yep. Yep. Check that off on your bingo card. Closing bingo. bridges at first. Uh, About but first. First. I don't know. <laughs> First oh, sight. Uh, the next thing I have is the let's see the radiation is burning itself out okay uh, there's I have scientific meeting with military yeah the doctor uh, Carnes is telling him how he's the monster is basically burning himself at like killing himself because of the radiation that it's carrying is basically killing it slowly yes uh, the military rolls in to somewhere, <laughs> little village or something. It looks like a little, it doesn't look like London. It looks like a little village and they take up positions and they're going around knocking on doors, telling civilians to evacuate and they're piling up sandbags and they're loading civilians onto trucks. And then there's a meeting. So I think that's where the, uh, Admiral summons, Bombs? Mm-hmm. Professor, you'll just meet a bunch of radioactive chunks. Oh, the, the professor says if you bomb it, you're just going to make a bunch of radioactive chunks. Right. And we don't want that. And then Carnes says it's dying of its own radioactivity. Can we uh, poison it? So if it's already dying of radiation, if we give it more radiation, will that finish it off? By shooting some radium into it with a torpedo, with a radio, if we put a radium warhead on a normal torpedo, <laughs> and is the plan, and they want to get a mini sub, and then the phone buzzes to say 
Somebody calls into the meeting to say, <laughs> we have nothing. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for getting me that vital information <laughs> that you haven't found it yet. <sighs> Police are patrolling the city and then the behemoth rises from the river and there's bells and horns and whistles and police hold people back. And at one hour in, we finally see the full Yay. monster. He's so buff. He So here's where we get some Willis O'Brien work with the stop motion monster coming up out of the river and walking through the streets. Yeah, this looks he's, great. This part looks he's really great. Basically a sort of brontosaurus y apatosaurus shaped thing, but he's got some kind of dorsal plates mm-hmm. like a stegosaurus would have. So he's, you know, a, I tried looking up paleosaurus and apparently it's a very broad term that's been applied to a bunch of nonsense with, Hey, I found it. I found a tooth. I'm going to call it a paleosaurus. And then thing it's, yeah. it doesn't seem to actually mean anything very specific. Lame. Uh, there's some panic in the streets. Panic. And, uh, car gets stomped and we have Yay. almost, almost, but not quite a Wilhelm scream. Oh, I, I read on the Wikipedia these some of these screams they're not wilhelms but they're stock screams from king kong oh from wills willis willis o'brien's uh most famous project nice i wrote Wombhelm scream because it was a woman (laughs) 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 nice uh the army shows up the radiation goes off and kills a few people. Some people fall and get trampled. We get some more the, wah-wahs. Also, yeah. there was uh, that car footage of him stomping on the car. They just used yeah. it twice. <laughs> it's the same one. Yeah. And uh, as always, the army makes with the bang, bang, and it doesn't do any good. Bang, bang, bang. The radiation melts some army guys and turns them into a painting. Melt your face off, bitch. <laughs> But did you notice this? It turns when, them into a painting? A painting, yeah. When they get melted, it's just a painting. Oh, what? <laughs> they've just, they've painted, the effect is to <laughs> paint a picture of some melted guys. Oh, no. And photograph that. <laughs> oh, my God. Not, not to build any sort of model or miniature or to... Or or to, or life size, you know, skeleton with stuff melting oh, off. It or whatever. It's just it's just a painting. I gotta go back and look at that. <laughs> and uh, the behemoth knocks a corner off the building and onto some people. And I wrote, "Who was evacuated? Everyone is in town." <laughs> <laughs> They're all getting stomped on and getting buildings knocked onto them. Oh man, uh, that's so funny. Who was evacuated? I I wrote here that power lines should be another bingo square. Uh, I think it is. I think it is. is. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I sketched out a a uh, uh, sample one, but I haven't made it. Yes. Uh, we're gonna have folks. We're gonna have a Patreon at some point, I think, and I think that might be one of the bonuses you get if you become a patron. Is set of downloadable printable bingo cards and they will not all be the same and 
Wee. You can watch along with your friends and uh, win nothing for getting a bingo. <laughs> oh, but instead of bingo, they're going to say kaiju. Kaiju. Uh, kaiju. Anyway, we cut, we cut to some kind of atomic facility that says danger, authorized personnel only. And the professor is getting the radium ready. And there's guys in protective suits, other guys with the professor in full radiation suits, loading up the warhead. It's night now, and Behemoth is stomping on trees Mm. and heading towards power lines and tears them down. Yep. And the electricity uh, blows shit up and fires start. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's searchlights and the creatures outside of, I, I said Win, Winchester Cathedral? He's outside of some famous British landmark that's some kind of a cathedral. Uh, and he might also be in front of Buckingham Palace and Big Ben. It's, it's a typical, you know, British skyline that you all you see it and you know oh that's London mm-hmm. uh, but disappointingly he does not destroy Big Ben at any point because normally if there's a clock tower yeah it's coming down. you got a clock but we don't act but we just really see a silhouette of Big Ben and the parliament and the palace and all that stuff yeah we, we don't get a good look at it uh, he does bite a car with some men inside of it and then drops the car in the water. <laughs> so he's just being a dick at this point. He's not hungry. He's not. Uh, this is my favorite part of the whole movie, too. The car in the mouth moment. It was pure gold. Uh, <laughs> he just picks these guys up just to drop them in the water because he's a dick. And then he jumps in the water. Yeah, but it's so funny, this editing moment when he jumps in the water because it's just like a toy dinosaur like falling <laughs> in the water. Yeah. Hilarious. And then I wrote tiger growl because his, his, <laughs> his roar just sounded like they recorded a tiger or took some stock tiger growl and put it in there. And then some welder finishes up a, um, a, a gizmo for Carnes, some kind of tracker. Mm-hmm. And the helicopters are searching and the boats are still in the river. <laughs> oh, okay. So we, we, we're watching the helicopter search the river, but we see that there are boats still in the river. Because the film production could not afford to actually clear out the river (laughs) for this helicopter shot. Of course. They're not going to be able to get all of these boats to agree to go somewhere else. (laughs) Because if this were really happening, those boats would would be docked. They would not be out in the river with people on them if this shit was actually happening. Right. So uh, the target is sighted. Map reference L8R17 reports to Carnes. Carnes gets in the little sub with a little submarine driver and they cast off. This is just a, they called it a mini sub. It's a little two man submarine. A little twofer. <laughs> Behemoth is swimming and I wrote, nice shot. This was a good effects shot. Of yeah, Behemoth it was. It was really good. Swimming. Like the, his movement in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And the, Radiation wave rocks the sub and then chomp. Oh, the behemoth bites, oh. and the 
he bites the sub and, sh- and it starts shaking and a leak springs up and everyone is waiting anxiously while in the sub the leak is getting worse and then they finally find it stand by the fire hold it hold it hold fire and behemoth kindly obligingly opens his mouth and takes a torpedo right into the face <laughs> Get a load of these torpedoes. He doesn't. He he doesn't try to move his head out of the way. He's just like, oh, what's this coming at me? Ah, boom! Water yeah. boiling. The water appears to be boiling, and Behemoth rises up and then sinks back down. Behemoth uh, die. Everybody cry. <laughs> Professor Bickman, they they've hit it. The sub docks. Carnes gets out, they get in a car to leave, and of course turn on exposition radio, where the announcer gives us a here we go again ending. <laughs> we interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. We've just received a report from America that mountains of fish are washing ashore dead from Maine to Florida. We now return you to our regular program. The end. The end. And he does like the guy like listening to it just does this weird look at the camera as the camera yeah. pans. Well Carnes and Bickman are uh, in the Bickford, sorry, not Bickman. Bickford. Carnes and Bickford are in the car both hearing this. And they kind of look like at each oh, other and then yeah. he kind of looks like, oh no. We have to we must book a flight to America. Here we go. Because again. obviously this means that there must be another radioactive dinosaur killing all these fish. Dun, dun, uh, but seriously, there is some sort of a radio music program or something, and they interrupt it to give out this news bulletin. Yeah, that's something that would get reported on the news, but not something they're going to interrupt their regular program to report. They're just going to wait for the news hour. <laughs> but that's wait how, their turn. That's how exposition radio works. So, Honeybee, what what about the giant behemoth? I'm going to say it was a lot like Beastie from 20,000 yes. Fathoms, which was probably my first love in this. Um, <laughs> and so I did enjoy it. Uh, I thought it was good. There, I, I thought it was missing some things. Like we didn't really have the lady scientist or any like female lead really. Because uh-huh. once we got through with the daughter, then it was just kind of over. And it was just a bunch of old white dudes running around figuring yeah. out, which is cool. But uh, it was it wasn't bad. I thought it was good. I think we're finally getting into movies that feel more normal to me and aren't so like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know what I mean? What? So I think that it was all right. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad by any means. I thought there well, was some good stuff in it. I mean, there are some movies on our list down the road that are going to be a lot of what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not we're not out of those woods yet. Nice. Uh, you know, Godzilla goes through some weird periods. Gamera gets some pretty weird shit going on. <laughs> Gamera himself is pretty weird shit. So, yeah, there's plenty of inexplicable nonsense in our future. 
Good. Join so. us for the inexplicable nonsense of our future. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, hold on a second here. Uh, oh, so what are you gonna what 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 are you gonna rate it? Uh, I'm gonna say three stars. Yeah, I, I also give it a three. Yeah. It, it's fun. Uh, right. Oh, so right. n- next week. So that's a three from both of us. Uh, folks, please email us. MonsterMovieFunTimeGo at gmail.com or leave us a message at anchor.fm slash mmftg. Tell us what you thought of the movie or the show in general. Um, next week... We will be discussing the giant Gila monster. Oh. I was, I I can't take credit for this joke. I started watching Elvira's presentation of this movie after I'd already watched the, uh, another version and she called it the high end Gila monster. The what? The, the, because the G in, in the, because the G in Gila it's spelled Gila monster, but pronounced Gila monster. So she was pronouncing giant the same way. She oh. called it the high end Gila <laughs> monster. Cute. Uh, the, the giant Gila monster is next week. And then Gorgo that we mentioned previously will be the week after that. So if you want to watch ahead, uh, giant Gila Monster is available on several platforms like free with ads kind of situation. It's a black and white movie, but there is a colorized version out there, which is what I watched. And anything else to add, honeybee? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, I guess that will wrap it up for this episode. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, As I said, please send us messages. Help spread the word. We have a loyal but small audience, and we'd like it to grow. So for now, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honeybee. Remember to keep calm. And seek shelter in basements. And don't misuse science. We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Bye. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacado folk rock punk featuring Rita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.